Hey guys and girls, you want to see the Mod Father in action? Well, now you can. Here's some upcoming dates for the month of June. On Sunday, 11th of June, I'll be at the Rodney Parade in Newport with my good friend Sparky as he's there for Dragon Pro Wrestling Academy. Facebook.com forward slash Dragon Pro Wrestling. Tuesday, 13th of June, I'll be at the Frog and Bucket Comedy Club in Manchester for my Lucha Forever debut. That's luchaforever.com. Sunday, the 18th of June, I'll be at the Prism Nightclub in Cardiff. Yet again, for Lucha Forever, that's luchaforever.com. And one more time, on Friday the 23rd of June, I'm at the Fusion Nightclub, Liverpool. You've guessed it, for Lucha Forever. That again is luchaforever.com. And then Sunday the 25th of June, I'm at the Electric Ballroom, Camden, London, for Progress Wrestling, progresswrestling.com. Be sure to come out and support me and the rest of the guys and girls representing British Wrestling as each week we tear it apart. Welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I'm the mod father of professional wrestling, Morgan Webster. Or more importantly, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with Madman Manson goes this week. Yep, I'm regretting this one already. Madman Manson on the show. I will be your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings, you know me, absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals, Manson's case, pain in the ass. but always, always my wrestling friends. Of course, this podcast comes to you free of charge every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts from, but hey, Please be sure to rate, subscribe, review. It takes about 30 seconds and it really does help us push our way up those podcast lists. And it does open up new listeners. Yeah, please be sure to rate, subscribe, review on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts from. Of course, if you do want to give something back, if you do want to say, hey Flash, loving the show, you can do that in two ways. By heading over to our permanent sponsor, which of course is MerchBritannia.com and checking out the stuff they've got over there. There's loads of t-shirts, there's loads of badges from loads of your favourite wrestlers. I'll go into more details about that during the show. Of course, you get over to my store, which is MorganWebs.BigArtel.com and I've got t-shirts over there and I do have some brand new prints, so definitely go check that out. Of course, I understand that not everyone can afford to give something back. And I don't expect it. I really don't. So uh, if you just want to give me a shout out on social media, that would be great. I'm Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm Flash Morgan Webster. So Facebook.com Flash Morgan Webster on Facebook. I am fl- at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. So check out some of the Instagram stories. Maybe you can drop me a tag on that. Or of course, if you want to book me for an upcoming event... If you do want to book me for a seminar, or maybe you just want to tell me how much you're loving the show, or hey, maybe you want to advertise on Wrestling Friends Podcast, you can do all that over the email, which is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Again, that email is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. But please keep them coming. I love seeing those tweets, I love seeing those Facebook posts, I love seeing those Instagram story notifications, and I love seeing those emails. Love, love, love. So please, please keep them coming. This week's guest is Mad Mad Manson. You know, I sit down every week and I say to the I say to the the guests, if there's anything you don't want to talk about, do you want 
tell me now and I'll avoid it. Or if I do hit anything halfway through the show that you don't feel comfortable talking about or maybe we say something that you regret, let me know straight away or let me know afterwards. Or I usually drop an email and say, maybe you said this. Because, you know, I don't want anyone to get in trouble. I want my friends to continue to go on to work in great places. And sometimes you can say stuff slip of the tongue or maybe you can say something spur of the moment and it can affect jobs in the future. And I don't want to be the person that does that. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Hell, it could get me another 1,000 to 2,000, 3,000 listeners because somebody says something controversial. But to me, it's not worth it. I'd rather organic. I'd rather keep them my friends. I'd rather not have another podcast called Wrestling Enemies where they just slit me for an hour. So that's what I usually do. I usually sit down and I usually say that to them. Of course, Manson has now been retired from wrestling for two years. So when I sat down and said with him, is there anything you don't want to talk about? He laughed and then proceeded to tell me that he was going to say everything and everything. But of course, that doesn't mean, of course, that I can't get in trouble. So I still had to do the edging job on this. And I had to make sure that he wasn't dropping the C word too many times. Because he drops it. He drops it an awful lot. So I have had to cut it or bleep it throughout this uh, this edit job. So uh, if there's any gaps, that is why. Because, hey, a lot of people don't like that word. I don't mind it. But I don't want you guys being a bit put off by this podcast. Because there's a C word maybe 20 or 30 times. So that is also cut out but yeah i've got to sit down with mama manson i was down in wales seeing my mum and then on the way back up then i popped in to see him and t-bone so got both of those so t-bone will be next week's guest and it's a real good chat i want to give you a synopsis what it's about but to be honest with you we cover so much we talk about everything in wrestling and we talk about everything in between he's one of these great guys that loves to go on tangents doing chats and he does apologize once or twice but i i love that i want it to be a real organic chat i do not want us to have to stick to my questions or stick to my bullet points which I have they're always the best ones when I look at the the list once and then by the end of an hour I go Christ I didn't have to touch any of that which I absolutely love it when that happens and that is something that happens this week so you'll really really enjoy that of course um, that was midweek this weekend then I had a full full show Um, uh, Friday I was down at Attack Pro Wrestling for Press Start 5 it is an absolute bonkers show and you can catch that over the Vimeo so go on Vimeo and search uh, Attack Pro Wrestling you can find uh, Press Start 5 on demand now so definitely go check that out there was a uh, certain bruiserweight who came out and he was being a certain Mr. Bates and the other way vice versa and they kind of did their NXT match but in complete reverse so definitely go check out Attack Pro Wrestling I had a lot of fun being an anti-fun police member but uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about the show. You need to kind of watch it. It's one of the craziest promotions I work for. It's my home promotion. I absolutely love it. But it's uh, probably one of my favourite shows that we've ever done. So definitely go check that out. So that was on the Friday. Saturday then I got to tussle up with Eddie Dennis down at Pro Wrestling Chaos. A very different character down there, of course. I'm very salty. And I'm, uh, I'm an antagonist. So definitely go check that out there. That's a lot of fun. And the main event was uh, Mike Bird versus Matt Riddle for the Progress Atlas Championship. The first time that the Atlas Championship has been defended outside of Progress in the UK. So definitely go check that out. They absolutely killed each other. And it's it was incredible showing why Mike Bird is one of the most underrated wrestlers in this country. Going toe-to-toe with Matt Riddle, not looking out of place, and getting a standing ovation off the crowd at the end. It was absolutely mental. So definitely go check that out. That's 
Pro Wrestling Chaos Unbelievable. So definitely go check that out. And then my third day, I was down at uh, Bogdan Regis for NGW, where I wrestled the Wild Bull in a final match down there. NGW, of course, now have the Butlins camps, so I'm really enjoying and looking forward to spending most of my summer on those NGW camps. But yeah, I already had two podcasts lined up, so I didn't sit down and chat with any one of them. Probably could have, but didn't. I'm going to get one with Justin Sizem at some point, because that guy has a great backstory, and I really want to dive into that. But I didn't, unfortunately. Sometimes just doesn't happen. But it was okay. I've got two lined up, and I've got T-Bone next week. But I guess that's my week in review. The way I guess that's the plugs and the adverts done out of the way. So I guess that's all I was left to say is... Uh, Sit back, relax, and enjoy probably one of the most no-hold-bards and craziest episodes I've ever done. This is Madman Manson. Enjoy, people. And we are on. I'm joined today by Madman Manson. Well, do I call you Gav or Flash? It's, or totally, Morgan, up you. it's or, totally up to you. It's totally up to you. What could I call you? <laughs> right. I don't even know. No, I Jesus always say Christ. it's totally up to you because I don't want anyone trying. I think I had a few at the start where people would try to call me Flash. Fuck that. And shit. then it would just be like awkward. Yeah. And yeah. I'd be like, it's not natural, is yeah, it? Yeah, no. It's not, nothing about this conversation will be natural. <laughs> <laughs> nothing we're ever going to do. Nothing about this podcast full stop will be natural. I did turn around. I went to Potter Jim Maitland who does turn in face to some flyers on the way up and I went, I'm now going to attempt to do a podcast with Man Man Manson and he just laughed in my face passing me the flyers and went in his house. Fuck Jim Maitland. That's <laughs> what I say. How dare, can I curse on this? Is that okay? Of course you can. You're Fucking good. Jim Maitland. Don't, don't even know if I've met him. I'm familiar with his work because it's fucking... Sw- hey, here. Look at the difference between me when I was wrestling. The photographs I used to get were like people's thumb overexposed <laughs> half of my leg. And nowadays we got guys like fucking Jim and Brazier and those fuckers taking professional pictures. This is bullshit. I gave it up at the wrong fucking time. The best I get was like a passport style photo. Of my <laughs> that was my fucking profile or my uh, promo pic for fucking 8x10s for years was a shit looking taken on a Kodak disposable camera and now comes to have professional shit. This is fucking bullshit. Well, well you, you talk about you've left the professional at the wrong time. I think like a lot of, a lot of people, uh, some, some people come to new British wrestling, especially like Tyler was the last one. So there might be a lot of people who are listening to this now who literally have like little I, I to no am, idea. I am the backwash of Tyler Bate. <laughs> so Tyler Bate is a big deal, a big name and the fucking yanks and shit who listen to him and think, oh, this guy's fucking the best. They'll now listen to me and go, oh, I'll look this guy up on YouTube and they're going to be in for a fucking disappointing shock. They, by me being so bad, I'm making Tyler look worse. I'm dragging Tyler down. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> fucking bastard. Tyler, give me some of your money, please. <laughs> well, like we spoke about it. I love how, like, before each podcast, I will just do my little background check and be like, hey, is there anything you don't want is, to is talk about? Is a background check like a CRB check? Because <laughs> i got to fail to shit. <laughs> but, like, I'd be like, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Because, and because we spoke, a lot of people are afraid if they say anything bad, it could potentially cost them work in the you future. You don't want to call someone's career. Yeah. Whereas my career is so dead and buried that I can say whatever the hell I feel but, like. But there is still me, which means <laughs> I, I feel like this is going to be a great time editing next week for me. This podcast, the views expressed are entirely that of me, Madman Manson, and Gav has nothing to do with me. I've literally kidnapped him here and forced him to do this podcast. There we go. That should there be we, enough. I think that should be I enough. Do, I've, I've done a lot of disclaimers in my life. <laughs> how, how I usually like to start these, because I know you've said yourself that you are not a podcast addict. You, nope. Uh, nope. I'm, I'm a nobody. I yeah. listen to FM. <laughs> no, I don't even listen to FM. I listen to AM radio. <laughs> <laughs> 
Too good for FM. Too good for a fuck modulation. That's what I say. So, <laughs> so how I usually let it start these is now we've been on shows loads of time. I've been on Many shows times. loads of people, but you never too want to say to somebody. What got you involved with wrestling? What made you fall in love with wrestling? What's your earliest memory of wrestling? So let's have a look at that. What's your earliest memory? What can you remember making you fall in love I with wrestling? I have never been in love with wrestling, but. When I started what? wrestling, yeah. When I started wrestling, I knew four things in wrestling. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. Well, everyone did. I knew who The Undertaker was. I knew who Giant Haystacks was. I knew who Big Daddy was. And that was it. That was my knowledge of wrestling. So the reason I went to my first training class was because my mate, Seb, one of my best mates still to this day, didn't want to go on his own. That was it. I was the mate who came along with Seb. So Seb heard about a wrestling school. He was a wrestling fan. He was into wrestling. Still is. Still a good, good fan of wrestling. Uh... He wanted to go to wrestling school. It was in Ireland, Irish Whip Training School, which was fucking one of the best times I've ever had in wrestling. He wanted to go and, you know, you don't want to go to training school on your own. You're a bit yeah. shy sort of thing. So I said, I'll come with you, see what it's all about. I remember we walked into, it was an open day. It was right at the start of Irish Whip. And I saw a guy called Red Vinny, the heretic Red Vinny. Yep. You, you I know who Red Vinny is. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He, he's, he's quit now, but I saw him. He was fucking brilliant. Body slam, Seamus. And I thought to myself, that was cool. How does that little guy pick up the big guy? So I was attracted to the engineering mechanics. <laughs> how does a little guy pick up a big guy? I don't know. And Seamus was at his biggest because he was just finished bodybuilding at the time. Okay. So he was like 90 and a half stone. And Vinny, Vinny was a small cruiser, right? And I saw him pick him up body. So I thought, that was cool. I'd love to learn that. So that was literally how I went to wrestling. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I still don't do either of those things. <laughs> So I had no interest in it. I'd never watched it. I didn't have Sky on telly when I was in Ireland. So I didn't understand what wrestling was. I was familiar with the idea. Two guys were full of steroids, covered in baby oil, punching each other and pretending to hurt each other. That was my knowledge of wrestling. Didn't know all this fucking shit that, well, you could argue I don't, still don't know it. <laughs> I didn't know what wrestling was about. I knew who WF were. I knew what world of sport was. That was it. That was my complete knowledge now, of wrestling. Now I feel like so many things make so much more yeah, sense. That's, that's now, why like, I have always been able to see wrestling in a different way to other people. Now, whether that's good or bad is up to everyone else to decide because my performances were certainly different to what good people can do. But it makes sense now that how I ended up being on the card as a complete outsider, as a, a comedy guy who does things different to everyone else, I've never been blinded by the knowledge of wrestling. So it's kind of like an electrician going to rewire a house with no knowledge. It's either going to be fucking brilliant or absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible. And that's what my performances were. Either really entertaining or fucking horribly shit. That was why I performed the way I did. Because I don't and didn't know anything about wrestling. But I think that's brilliant because <laughs> I feel like you said like you weren't blinded by that that love or whatever of wrestling. Correct. It was literally, you walked in and as you were understanding it and it was clear cut, this is what it is. Yep. I was you never, were just taking it from an intellectual point I of view. I was never a fan. So I didn't have a guy who I thought like, I'd like to be like Matt Hardy or I'd like to be like The Edge or something. I, I didn't understand those things. So it was different. So when I started wrestling, obviously I started learning how to do a hip toss, learning how to break fall, learning how to body slam. And I thought, these are cool things. This is really interesting. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm making new friends, etc., etc. And then it was Red Vinny who introduced me to comedy wrestling. I did something where he got a laugh. I was like, yeah, you'd be a good comedy wrestler. Like, what the fuck's a comedy wrestler? You know, a, com a comedian's on stage and a wrestler's in a ring. There's no thing together. And he said, you never heard of comedy wrestling? Like, of course I never heard of fucking comedy wrestling. So I had you to wrestling until I, I, I knew what comedy was. I, I knew basically what wrestling was. So Vinny gave me 
or brought me to his house. Sounds a bit seedy. And he showed me a tape of guys called the Florida Brothers from Japan. Yep. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. Why don't I know about this? Why have I never heard of this? He said, well, you know, Japanese wrestling is very niche. It's no one over here really hears about it. This was 2004 as well. So it's before internet was easier or more accessible. Yeah. It was, it was, we're talking dial-up days, aren't we? Dial-up days were, if you only had to dial up for an hour, you'd look at porn. You weren't going to look at the Florida Brothers. <laughs> you'd just look at porn. You know what I mean? That's fair enough. So, so Vinny showed me these guys and was like, you know, you could be like Cat Weasler, fucking Les Cat. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? I don't know. So it was Vinny. Thanks to him, he showed me all this shit. I was so like, he's to blame, eh? He's to blame. I would have been quit wrestling after like six seven months if I hadn't seen these guys I was like so these guys are doing less work than everyone else yet they're still getting paid the same he's like yeah by, by and large you know obviously the main vendors get the most but these guys in the middle get paid whatever I was like so you're telling me these guys are not putting their bodies at risk he's like yeah and they're getting more love from the crowd than anyone else I was like, yeah. I was like why the fuck isn't everyone doing that shit and I was like well because you know they want to be the tough guy they want to be the top guy I was like bollocks to that and that's when I started doing comedy wrestling or started developing comedy wrestling Remember years ago, I was on a show with Doug. And it was one of my first jobs. I had a fucking great entrance. I had the straight jacket. I had the hair. I was wheeled out on a trolley, and everything was great until I got in the ring. And then I put on a wrist lock, and I put on a wrist lock reversal, which I still don't really know how to do now. <laughs> no, no, no. Why would I reverse my own wrist lock? No one knows. But I did a match, and it was your standard trainees match: chain at the start, cut off, hope spot, all that sort of shit. I still don't really understand those things. But I did all that stuff, and then I got out of the ring, I did all my fucking Marvel Manson again. And Doug said, well, everything was great except for the stuff in the ring, so why not do the stuff out, all the entrance shit, do it in the ring? And that's when I started thinking the right way. I was like, yeah, why am I following the rules of wrestling? Because my character wouldn't do those things. So if your character is like AJ Styles or some plain wrestler, you you do all those things. You you do follow the rules. Whereas Marvel Manson wouldn't. He'd walk out in the middle of a match. Why, why the fuck wouldn't he? Why wouldn't you just walk into the crowd and get an ice cream? That's what he would do. <laughs> Therefore, by doing the stupid stuff I did, I stayed true to my character. It also meant that if anyone was real fucking stiff for me, I could walk off and just fucking head backstage and no one cared. It was fucking brilliant. I did that several times. If anyone tried to be like, you know, fucking real wrestler, I'd just walk off. Because they'd be left in the ring and they'd have planned the match. And when you're a wrestler blinded by wrestling, you have to stick to the plan. Whereas... If you're a comedy guy, you can just walk off and do whatever you want. Get in the microphone and start singing. Fuck up the other guy. It was brilliant. The amount of times he used to try and do something and I just completely fucking ruined them by just laughing in their face or you grabbing my balls or some shit like that. They, they didn't know what was happening. It was fucking brilliant. But yeah, <laughs> I've strayed way off the point. No, yeah, I like that. Thanks to, thanks to Vinny explaining to me that comedy wrestling is a thing. That's when I started developing the comedy side of things. It took me a long while to get it right. And one could argue that I never quite got it right. At the times I got it right, it was really fun for me, easy for my opponents, which is very important, and the fans enjoyed it. So, and someone paid me for it for some reason. Well, how old are you then when you started going training? I'm 35 now. So, what would I have been in 2004? I'll need a calculator for this. So 2004, I started. Three. I was born in 81. So, you're 35 now? Yeah. 22. Fucking hell, you're good. That age was what it was when I started. Yeah, 22. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, you're better at maths than I am. You're wasted on podcasts. Get out of here and become an accountant. Yeah, so I was, so I was, I was also older than most people because most people start in training school 15, 16, yeah. I think, from what I can see on training schools these days. So I was a little bit older. I was a truck driver for a living, so I kind of had... What? Yeah, that's what I used to be. I used to be a truck driver. So I had quite a bit of... So how do you get into that? Let's run back. How do you get into that? My, da- my dad is a truck driver. His dad was a truck driver. My two brothers are both truck drivers. So truck driving is in my blood. 
and I still occasionally drive trucks. Oil, oil is in your veins. Yeah, oil is in my White gold, Texas tea. Yeah, I've got a lot on me. Uh, that was one of the things that got me in with Irish Whip because I was there and I was a trainee with Irish Whip and they're putting on shows and obviously you turn up already, you take the ring out of the van, you set it up. I was like, where'd you get the van from? You go rent it out. I was going to save your money off. I can take it in a truck. So I borrowed one of the trucks from work and I started being the ringman for Irish Whip. This was before I got on shows. So the important bit in my career oh is my God, I was a so ringman. Mu- so much of your life and your career <laughs> makes so much it sense to it me. It makes, if, people, if people knew the, the painful story behind the man. So I was a truck driver. I was driving the ring around. I was a ringman before I was a wrestler. And I'm a ringman now after I've been a wrestler. So the ring and being a ringman is far more important to me than ever being a wrestler. Still to this day, I'll do a ring job because Tom, who is Tyson T-Bone, or whatever the fuck he can call himself these yeah. days, he's my best mate. And he obviously does a lot of ring jobs around the country. If he can't do a ring job, I'll sub in for him. Still to this day, if he called me today to do a ring job tonight, I'd do be doing a ring job. Because it's a nice fucking cash and hand job, isn't it? So ring man before wrestling. Wrestling was a side effect. Honestly, wrestling was just... So I started doing ring jobs for Irish Whip. It's good money. This is handy. I get to you know travel around the country and do this job. I was like... I can make an extra quid if I wrestle, so I might as well step up my training a little bit. Because at the time I wasn't trained very regular. I was, I was one of the, I was one of the less talented trainees. And when you're one of the less talented trainees, you lose motivation quite easily. Because you see guys like Red Vinny's an example. Someone would show him how to do something. Boom, he'd do it in fucking ten seconds. It would take me three or four weeks to to get it right. Hip toss, for example. I'd go on the wrong side, or I'd put my arm down, or I wouldn't post off a knee, and I just I'd roll pathetically on the ground we've all seen those guys in training i was that guy in training it wasn't natural to me at all i didn't get it but because i was doing the ring i persevered and i got slightly better at wrestling to the point where i was passable and then i just started wrestling on the shows as well really was as simple as that let's talk about can you remember was your first match against doug was that your first match no uh, my first appearances for irish whip was always in rumbles that's how we always started guys in rumbles so i'd you know, you'd come out, you'd do your entrance, you get into Rumble, you could be fucked out after two minutes or whatever. It was, it was a good way to blood it, because yeah. if you fucked up in a Rumble, there were more experienced guys there who could just hoof you out of the place. At the time, Irish Whip got really, really big really quickly in Ireland. We were starting to do 50, 60 shows a year. Okay. Real, real quick. Yeah, like, as in, it was, like, suddenly, he had these trainees who weren't ready for the job yet, but he had to use them because he was getting bookings. People wanted them, because there was no wrestling history in Ireland. Well, no, there was a wrestling history, but there was no... Not to the level there is here. Over here, when you say pro wrestling, people go, oh yeah, Big Daddy, understand, Yo, understand that. They know what it is. Whereas in Ireland, they think it's some kind of seedy, weird thing. If you say the word wrestling, like, oh yeah, fucking weird, that stuff. Like, everyone knows the Yank stuff. But if you say Irish wrestling, they think it's fucking weird. At the time, anyway. And we had NWA Ireland and Irish Whip Wrestling were the two guys kind of promoting wrestling at the time. At this point, would have... Uh... Would Irish Whip would have been on the wrestling channel? At this yeah, point? it yeah. sure was. So we got the wrestling channel gig, if you can call it that. A chap called Sean who ran the wrestling channel. He ran the whole show. Fucking really, really smart guy. Really smart guy. And he was friends with Simon. And he was commissioning all this wrestling, and he was getting it from around the world. And he's like, "Well, why not? Why not have our own fucking wrestling here in Ireland?" And all of a sudden, we were thrust from trainees who are just about passable to work in a working men's club to all of a sudden being on TV. And we weren't ready for it, but we had no alternative sort of thing. It was sink or swim. A lot of people tried it, looked shit on TV and left the job completely. Whereas some of us used it as exposure and I used it to get over here. 
So my first appearances on the wrestling channel, I had a bit of a gimmick, so people gave me some attention. My in-ring stuff was very, very poor, but I had a bit of character. I was able to cut promos. Therefore, people like 1PW and RQW, who were big at the time, where like when we like this Marvin Manson guy, let's get him in and got a bit of exposure, etc. Et well, I remember the you used to be on the wrestling channel. I I am not a morning person. Never yeah. ever been a morning person right from a young age. But my mum could get me up in the morning, which would be yeah. like two thousand five for school, mm-hmm. because she was there up at the wrestling channel. Yeah, uh-huh. and Irish wrestling was the first thing on seven really? o'clock every morning. No way. So I literally would have been going to school. What does that make me like the Lorraine Kelly? You are. Is she, is she, a, is she a person? <laughs> yes, it is. With with a, with a regional accent as well. So I was you the Lorraine Kelly. I was the Lorraine Kelly of your life. You were. <laughs> So, uh, but then I think it's great that I think we've I've done shows I've done shows with you. My mum's yeah. gone to certain shows, and I can remember we did one show. I somebody was on. I think it was after Stevie had gone. I think yeah, or, and Stevie maybe had come back. Yeah, maybe, and I think he was the big deal on the show. Yes, yeah. And I remember coming out and going, "What's it? What do you think of the show?" And she went, "She went, oh, I didn't know that um, that man from the wrestling channel was going to be on the show." And she was like, <laughs> and she to this day still Better says she Primark. still she yeah. still <laughs> says she goes. Oh, I always liked that Manson who used to draw his, draw his, his, shoot, yeah. his boots on his feet. And my mum to this day still well, uses it as a positive example. I, I much prefer being, if you can use the housewife's favourite, that's that's more of a T-bone thing. I, I much prefer being the guy who non-wrestling fans liked than the guy who wrestling fans liked. In my career... There's more of them. Well, yeah, there's yeah, more. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's more than the fucking 5.5 billion people in the in the world. You know, and only some of them go to fucking the shows I was on. If only all 5.5 <laughs> billion bought a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, I was lucky in my career that I never had a backlash. I think... Got, John Cena is a great example. I've never met the man. I don't know the man, so it's hard to forget. Great squat, like, though. Who am, I to, great yeah, squat. who am I to comment on fucking John Cena? But when he first came about, to my knowledge, everyone loved him because he's fucking really, really good. But then the more popular you get, the more of a backlash you get. And all of a sudden people, I hate that guy. I hate that. Hulk Hogan, same thing happened to him. I think it happens to British wrestlers as well. Will Ospreay, when Will Ospreay first popped out, and I didn't mean popped out flying through the air. <laughs> out of the like, womb. This guy's fucking awesome. He can yeah. do all these cool flips. And then for a while, wrestling fans were like, no, he's just a flip monkey. He's a flip monkey. But now it's gone around again that people understand Will Ospreay is the absolute best of what he does. The absolute best. And just because it's not one form of wrestling... He's the same as me. I wish I got paid the same as him, but <laughs> he's a unique attraction on a card. No one can do the stuff he can do. And that that should be celebrated and not fucking looked down upon. You know what I mean? Because like, guys who are doing something new and different, and that that would also bring me along to Attack Pro Wrestling, guys. I know you're involved with that yep. as well. What they do is different. And I recently had an experience where I went down to Attack Wrestling to see G-Man and Seb. So I wasn't there for the wrestling show. I was just there to meet the two of those guys before the show. So I arrived before. Is that done in Bristol? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. it wasn't. In, in a church looking thing? Yeah, I think it was the show before I came back, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was. So I got there and I, as I walked in the building, Pete and Chris were doing their like uh, pep talk to help people what they're doing. So, so I sat in the corner. I didn't want to interrupt their thing sort of thing. And what Pete was saying to his to the guys on the show was the complete antithesis of what I think wrestling should be. So... He was saying stuff that I think is complete madness, but it's what works for his show and his career and his guys. So to me, it's I'm like, what? That's crazy. That's crazy. But look at how well it fucking works. The show sold out. Every fucker who paid for a ticket loved the show. And Pete Dunne himself, look how fucking well he's doing and look how well the guys are doing. So just because it's the opposite of what I think 
is right for wrestling, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You see what I mean? There's, no, hundred percent. It's it's a strange thing to explain to people outside of wrestling because one thing is right and one thing is wrong. You know, if Manchester win the most games, they're the best football team. That makes sense. But since wrestling is a form of entertainment, the rules don't apply. Don't apply at all. Which is, I'm I'm a massive theater fan. I go to theater every week, and what I like in theater is sometimes different to what my missus likes in theater. It's not because the theater is bad. It's because it appeals to different fucking people. So one of the things Pete said in his. Uh, you know, he's geeing up, geeing up the guys, making sure they, they were ready for the show. So he was saying, well, every match can be a main event. Give everything you've got in every match. Whereas to me, I'm the opposite. I think the first, the opening match should be two guys who look like wrestlers, no false finishes, just straight through wrestling. Then you should have some flip, then you should have some comedy, then you should have some girls. And then after the break, you should have some fucking main event type shit. That's, to me, wrestling. But that wouldn't work for his crowd at all. So an attack wrestling show, if two guys that were in the in this opening match and they were plain and boring it wouldn't work for them they want to see ryan smile who always gives 100 percent. they want to see you who always gives 100 percent, and they want to see seb doing ridiculous stuff seb being uh sebastian, sebastian Radcliffe. Radcliffe people have you ever done him on this podcast i haven't uh, we've been we've been we've been meaning to and i feel like he would be brilliant because mm-hmm. he's such a smart lad as well he is, he's, he's fucking ridiculous his, his brain is definitely fried for oh, yeah, all the years gone. of yeah, living in gone. bristol at he, he that's, will, how, that's how we'll put that. He will be dead within six months. So <laughs> get him now while you can. But the, it just goes to show the what Attack Wrestling have done is built themselves up in a way that's the opposite to what I think of wrestling. But look how successful it is. And the reason I've used them as, a, as a, an example is that they've succeeded in their wrestling and Brian Dixon has succeeded in his wrestling. They're completely the opposite of what each other does. Yep. But there is room within the entertainment business. People in wrestling forget that they're in the entertainment business. They think we're in the wrestling business. Even people in wrestling shorten that to say the business. This is the business. We're in the business. They get blinded by the rules of the business. And they forget that it's just show business. Cheryl fucking Cole isn't the best singer in the world. But she has the best exposure. She's really pretty looking and she's fucking... You know, famous as fuck for. And she sings about love, which everyone can understand. She's not a great singer, is she? You know, nope. she's, she's not as good as me, certainly not. <laughs> but she's famous because she's got the best push behind her. Yeah, and that's the same as wrestling. It's not the best guys. So guys in training schools can get down on themselves. They look around and go, "I'm the best here. I'm clearly the best, and I'm not getting the attention this guy's getting." And I remember a couple of people in the Irish Whip training school. Same thing happened. Seamus was getting the push because. He's a fucking massive red-headed bodybuilder. Of course he's getting the push. He's Look how fucking... He looks fantastic on a poster and he does all the media appearances. That was when we were in Irish Whip. But the guys in the training school were like, I'm better than him. I can do a better moonsault than him. I can do a better wrist lock than him. But they weren't as marketable. And that's why in the entertainment business it's not always about your skill. It's about how you can push your fucking self. Well, I can remember Pete... I was at a, I think it was at a seminar with somebody and, uh, at somewhere and Pete was speaking to people. Yeah. And he went, you'll get to a point where you'll look around and see people who you probably think aren't as good as you yes, and exactly. they'll be succeeding. He went, but try not to get, I get you down. He went, they've got me down for for years. He yeah. said, but you just got to look at them and go, they've just found their unique selling point yeah, before you have. Exactly. And as long as you yeah. keep on plugging away, getting your wrestling as good as you can, eventually yeah. you'll find that unique selling point. Could not agree with him more. Absolutely. That's exactly, well, he's the living example of someone who worked to get success 
and is now one of the hottest properties in wrestling. Full stop. And I don't mean in British wrestling. I mean wrestling. Full stop. Oh, he will. He will headline WrestleMania. I'm pretty I, sure of this now. I hope he doesn't because I hate Yank shit. I hope he headlines some kind of British WrestleMania. <laughs> Does that exist? Britain it might. Oh, who knows? Someone ring Alex Shane and get who, me and him to who fucking knows? Thing together. But uh, he's a great example of a dude who was who's found his fucking niche, found his place. His facials are fucking killer. I mean, absolute killer. I don't care about how well someone can wrestle. I've never understood the physical bit of wrestling, but I do understand facials, and his faces are among the best I've ever seen, full stop. Absolutely. His his face is horrible. I hate his face. That's the fucking point. That's the whole fucking point. He's an absolute bastard. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Him and Mastiff, for me, Dave Mastiff is another guy who understands facials the important of like all i think of a wrestling match is the ring is a stage so all i care about is the, the story they're telling i don't give a bollocks about how good a wrist lock fucking i'm always always mentioning wrist locks today it's where i'm fucking good williams but so it's the, it's the only thing you know that's what it's I, the only thing I know. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a true i tried a headlock once but i fucking end up breaking my knee <laughs> facials is it's just so fucking and whenever i do training seminars i try to just get people to do an acting class i don't care I, I can't teach you how to fucking bump. My bumps were average at best. Some any some other cunt can teach you how to fucking bump, but I can help people get confidence, bring it out, understand how to dial up their character. And their character does not need to be comedy like me or cartoon like me. It needs to be something that the fucking punters can either identify with or fucking understand. It doesn't have to be about like I'm never gonna identify with a fucking, you know, a, a really pretty blonde girl. I can't identify with being that. I sort yeah. of pretend to be that at the weekends, but that's my problem. <laughs> but I can understand it. So if, if like, fucking, uh, what's her name? Fucking Chardonnay. She does that uh, yep. Chav gimmick. So she comes out. I've never been a female Chav. Never in my life. But I understand what she's doing. She yep. walks around. She's, oh, yeah, not bothered, not bothered, all this sort of shit. I get that. And that's what people have to get in a gimmick, I think. Again, my fucking opinion. And it's worth noting that anything I say on this podcast, I wrestled for about 10 years. I never made it very far. I made it to where I wanted to get to in the British scene, and that was it. So anyone who's listening to me for advice has to realise that I can't tell you to get to fucking WWE. So if someone from WWE tells you, go with them. Don't listen to me. Listen to Triple H. I can tell you how to get on the British scene, no problems. But the WWE shit. So anything I ever say to people advice-wise, I can't tell you how to get any further. The last question I have for you is going to go out the window. Good. Just want to take a minute from our conversation this week to chat to you about our sponsors, MerchBritannia.com. MerchBritannia is the on-demand merchandising service for the British wrestling scene. More than just another wrestling t-shirt store, they offer photo shoots, graphic designs, and on-demand 8x10 prints, badges, and of course t-shirts, all sent direct to the fans. If you're a wrestler, they give you competitive rates, and even better, if you sign up this week, they give you your first t-shirt design absolutely free. I trust Jim and Leaky and the team so much, I've brought them on as my permanent sponsor and give them all exclusive rights to all my wrestling friends' t-shirts. So if you're a wrestler looking to sell a range of wrestling merchandise or a fan looking for the newest bit of clobber, head over to MerchBritannia.com. Thanks, MerchBritannia. You've tore it apart. Hey everyone, you might remember a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram stories that I was signing thousands upon thousands of prints. Well, that's because I'm one of the goodies in this month's Wrestling Crate. WrestlingCrate.co.uk is the original monthly box of wrestling goodies sent to your door each month. From signed collectibles to exclusive DVDs, and every pack has a fresh new t-shirt. It really is jam-packed. 
Dune's create, as I said, includes an exclusive from yours truly, Flash Morgan Webster. You won't want to miss this. So sign up to Wrestle Create from eleven ninety nine a month before June the twelfth, and make sure you get one of those sweet prints. Thanks, Wrestle Create. You tear it apart. <laughs> well, you you talked about you used the Irish wrestling to get yourself yeah. over here. Yeah. How did you make that decision then to move? Uh, it, it did, kinda, did, you, did you just move over it here or? by itself? So. In Ireland, with Irish Whip, we always looked for the British scene as in, you know, that's where we want to get to. That's where we want to get to. We want to get out. Because in Ireland, there was two competing promotions and you couldn't work for both. You had to work for one or the other. And it sounds ridiculous when we say it now, but at the time, it, it was like, you know, you can be them or you can be them. You can't. It was like, you know, you support Man City or Man United. You can't support both. Got you. It, that was just, and it happened in Wales as well, didn't it? Was it like that for a while I, It kind of a little bit. I know it, Birmingham, it was, when I first came over, it was, was a couple of it was more. It was more the fact, I think, that uh, Rave was trying to monopolise the, the mm. Welsh wrestling scene. And I think the people who decided to go with him, which again, no, no stroke on them, who decided yeah. to go with him, maybe didn't have the ambition to, to yeah. go in with us. They just wanted to have regular rest. And again, that's that's well, fair enough. It's funny when you think about it now, you got guys like uh, Will Ospreay who are working for Japan Wrestling and they can't work for another big company because they're working for one. They can't do it because they got multi-thousand pound contracts. Whereas when I was started, we couldn't do it just because of promoters' egos and pride. So we were doing it for silly, selfish uh, insular reasons and guys like Marty and fucking Pete and Will the guys who I see at the top of the tree now are doing it because there's thousands of pounds involved <laughs> I was doing it because there was a fine and, and, and there's a legal contract yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they've got legal contracts they've got like solicitors to talk to I've got fucking ice cream man or some shit <laughs> way down I don't know where that came solicitors and ice cream man it's like two ends of the fucking social <laughs> spectrum perhaps but uh we can only work for one of those so we always look to the British scene to see like that's where we want to get to that's where we want to move up to and I remember it was Simon who was the boss of Irish Whip Wrestling. So he gave me my start in wrestling. So anything I ever achieved, I really have to put back thanks to him. Because he helped me so fucking much. Like he was the one who explained what wrestling is in the first place today. Yeah. Which is which is fantastic. And gave me the opportunity to work so often. Which is when I started to learn basics what to do. So he pushed Seamus to Stephen Gauntley who ran 1PW ran one at the time. And Gauntley said, I'm not, not really interested in Seamus. You know, I don't think he fit with what we're trying to do. But I like that Madman Manson guy. And that's how it started for me. Because 1PW at the time was the big promotion. It was the big deal. It was the super promotion. Yeah. In the same way that PCW was for a while. Progress is. Uh, ICW is. Those guys are the super promotion. They had to see, there's more now. At the time it was just 1PW. And that was it. FWA had kind of died before it came back. They yeah. had ridiculous contract offers. Uh, 1PW was the place to be. It was all yanks. There was hundreds of thousands of pounds just being thrown around. There was people being paid thousands of pounds to come in and do a three-minute squash match. It was fucking brilliant. So <laughs> I, I got... It was their first anniversary show and Gauntley said to Simon, listen, please pass my email on to Man Manson and get in contact with me. I'd love to use him in the future. So I saw that opportunity and this is where I took a risk. I emailed Gauntley and I said, hi, Stephen, I'm in... Doncaster the weekend of your one of your anniversary show I wasn't this is the risk I took I said listen I'm visiting some friends in the area would you like me to come on your show he said yeah great no problem that's great since you're over here already so I booked my own flight so I took that hit oh yeah, this, this, I know let's no, get to that yeah, controversial now so, see this a, I, a lot of the boys are going to want to love to listen well, to this podcast the and they're, probably, they're, they're now going 
And since I'm since I'm one of the older generation, people would expect me to be like, no, you got to work forever and you got to do that. Stuff. No, I said to myself, right, this is one This is a chance to get somewhere. So I spent sixty or seventy quid on fucking flights. I know nowadays people spend hundreds to go to Japan, but I spent six seventy quid. I said, listen, I'm gonna fucking get in there, and I'm gonna get booked. He booked me on the first show and the second show. It was their main attraction sort of thing. I was in a all British match sort of thing, but I hadn't discussed pay or anything like that with him. Afterwards, he gave me a check for 150 quid. Now, at the time I was working for Auschwitz, it was 30 quid. 30 euro. Or was it euro at the time or pound? No one knows. There is no memory of those things. It was 30 quid. That was my value. That was my rate sort of thing. He gave me a check for 150 fucking pounds. You mean 90 pounds? It later bounced, by the oh, way. Oh, <laughs> no. It, I did get paid in the end, but it later bounced. But this was my chance to get in with the British guys as well. I'm quite good backstage. In that I'm chatty. I'm friendly. And I'm not really a dickhead in my private life i am a dickhead but when i'm at a wrestling show i'm acting a certain way everything from the minute i walk in the building to like in ring is one act backstage is another act i'm nice to everyone even people i don't like loads of people wrestling i don't like but i'm nice to them I'm chatting them i'm having a good time because that is part of getting over in wrestling is getting over with the fucking boys of course so one pw and rqw both used me then so they were two big promotions and i started getting around i had a few contacts over here guys like g-man guys like johnny the buddy Ligero, unfortunately, as well. They, they became <laughs> I my wonder contact. how long it was going to be. You <laughs> we, said you were going to we do it. We went quite a long time without mentioning that gun. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Went. That's all your fucking words to me, Ligero. <laughs> 30 fucking minutes. They became my contact. So I started getting in cars with them. People outside wrestling won't understand the, the importance of cars. I don't even know if the car thing still exists anymore because people get so much money now. But it used to be you'd book a car from the north or a car from Wales. It still, or a car. It still exists. Still it still exists. exists. Yeah, especially, the, especially the trainees now. We're still yeah. trying to drum into them when you approach a promoter you're yeah. trying to say, I can book a car from Wales. Yes, And exactly. it, of course, it's a lot different now with people who are working for your progress as yeah. XW because you're for lack of a better word, a name maybe. Yeah, and they, yeah. they're a bit like, oh, you're being approached now because you bring some into the car. Yeah, that's so they'll pay the travel You regardless. move as you go, don't you? But At first, you're not a card filler. But you're, you're, a body, someone, you're a body. Yeah, you're, you're a body. You're someone who makes it easier for the promoter to book you. And then yeah. after a while, you become someone who the promoter is desperately looking for, which yeah. is a great place to be. That's where all trainees should aspire to get to. But th- they were the cars I got into. Then I got in with T-Bone. And obviously, since then, like I lived with them for a while when I first moved over here. That was kind of what got me to this bit. So I was... Started working the camps. The most important moment in my whole wrestling career was sitting backstage at the Mick Jagger Center for RQW. Yeah, seriously, it was a place called the Mick Jagger Center. It was just some fucking venue, but it was called the Mick Jagger Center. I must go there. I was just sitting there, fucking basically crying in the corner, and Mastiff walks past me, or Morales as he was at the time. Dave Morales walks by and goes, You're Irish. Yeah. You a blue eye? Yeah. Didn't know what a blue eye was, by the way. Because you just said yes. Because yeah. really? I, I said yes to everything. He said, you blue eyes. Yeah, yeah, of course I am, mate. No idea. What are you talking about? I love, I, he could have been coming on to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, Dave, by the way. I said, right, do you want to come on the camps? Yeah, mate, of course I do. And off he walked. I was like, great, no problems. I didn't know what the camps were. I didn't <laughs> oh know what a blue God, eye was. I so I, I didn't know what his first question was. Blue eye. I, don't know what the, I asked someone. They told me. He was a good guy. Fair enough. And I didn't know what the camps were. <laughs> Weird. And I was like, camps, it sounds like training camps. I don't want to fucking train. <laughs> this is bullshit. Especially, but Dave, you don't say no to him. So I asked around to find out what he meant. And I was like, yeah, the camps are you wrestle every fucking day, twice a fucking day, all over the country. I was like, why have I not heard of this before? So I rang home to my job. I said, yeah, I'm not coming back from um, in England wrestling for the weekends. I can't come back. He's like, okay, when you come back? Tuesday, Wednesday? He's like, I think it's nine weeks. And they're like, 
okay so you're not you're not coming back to work i was like no like i'm, I'm doing something over here so for those nine weeks i lived in t-bone's van i stayed in his place stayed in dave's place all over the place for those nine weeks that's when i learned how to fucking wrestle the camps didn't know what they were just ditched my home life and said okay this is what i'm doing now so that was me taking a bit of a leap not because i love wrestling but because it was an opportunity to just do something could have been anything could have been a fucking you know any kind of acting could have been anything at all it was just i was in the place where i felt like doing something and the camps were that something camps for anyone who doesn't know you're wrestling two or three times a day they're all on seaside resorts you fucking know yep. well you get to be a star for a load of fucking kids so it's like 900 kids get into the most of the haven park so the, the run we were on certainly was around that number and they all think you're a superstar and you get half price burger king that was the camps so for one hour of the day you wrestled and for 23 hours a day you hung out with your mates at the seaside how fucking cool is that yeah, who wouldn't want to do that you got paid fuck all like the camps wage hasn't changed since like 1984 but then you also got to think to yourself other people around there a pain to go on holiday to these yep. places and you were there for free and you're there for free that's it you were on some of the most beautiful beaches in the country for free you're hanging out with your mates that's fucking you're kicking football what did, football what did your what did your uh, what did your family think the fact you just decided to quit being a truck driver they had no idea and still don't really know anything about wrestling it's it's completely bizarre to them my dad once come to a show because i got him to do the ring honestly there was a show when i was in england the night before and i was flying back and i wasn't getting to the airport like three o'clock so we had to set the ring up. So I asked my dad, at the time the, the ring lived in a van which parked outside my house. So I said, dad, will you drive that van to Balbriggan and just park outside the venue and the lads will do the work. And like, yeah, yeah, of course, no problems. So he parked up and he, he watched everyone put the ring up. He's interested in engineering, same as me. And he said, I might as well stick around for the show. And he watched the show. And oh, it was great fun, great laugh, you know, because it was a kid's show, kid-friendly show. Lots of he's behind you, lots of slapping on the ass, all that sort of thing. And he thought it was great fun. So that, that's as far as my family have been involved in wrestling but at the same time i don't think about wrestling or talk about wrestling outside of wrestling you know what I mean? so my current job i never mentioned them though as a wrestler until it kind of came out after six seven months or how did it come up uh freaking i think it was when t-bone first came in so t-bone works occasionally for me in my current job Okay. So he came in. Obviously, T Bone's a massive big guy covered in tattoos. I was like, fucking hey, he's big, isn't he? Fuck's so I was like, yeah, he's a wrestler. That's what he does. I was like, fucking yeah, that's cool. And they look him up online. And I thought, oh, look at him. You know, flexing his muscles on YouTube and all that sort of thing. Like, oh, there's you. Did you used to be a wrestler? I was like, yes, I suppose, in a way. Not that oh, I thought you like. It's not that I'm embarrassed about no, wrestling. It's just that it's. I don't want to be. The wrestler. I don't want to be the wrestler. I don't, that's not what I'm defined by. That's the word that I'm thinking of. I don't want to be defined as a wrestler or the wrestler. I, I, wrestling was just a thing I did in the same way that I didn't retire from wrestling. I quit wrestling. I quit my paper round when I was 17. I remember it well. I quit my paper. I was doing from 15 to 17. I had a paper round. I didn't retire from my fucking paper round. There was no fucking party for me at my fucking paper. I just quit doing it. And then I did another job and I quit that job and I quit that job and I quit fucking wrestling. I didn't retire from wrestling. I fucking quit wrestling to do a different job. That's all. That's It's, it's simple as that because I'm not blinded by the inside of wrestling. People in wrestling are blinded by, wow, Ric Flair is retired from wrestling at, you know, fucking 85 years of age and, yeah, that's okay for him because he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And it's a career. But some kind of make 30 quid a weekend. You, you're not retired from wrestling. You're just stopping. You're just not wrestling anymore. <laughs> it's true. It's it like is. Every, every time I go to bed, I'm not retiring from that day. I'm just going to fucking well, bed. Well, some people say that I'm retiring to bed. Actually, that's a good point. You ruined your point completely. I ruined my point a lot. That's part of, the, part of this podcast will be it's just complete nonsense. Do you think then that 
I know that you've said that you go to uh, you go to the theatre a lot with, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. with your wife. So we had you every week. Do you think that you've always had that as entertainment always been something that's drawn you in there? Uh, I don't know until I got, or I didn't know until I got into wrestling. Funny enough, I've, I've always had the theatre as part of my life, but I didn't really realise because I was brought up my mum who loved the theatre. I used to go to the theatre, but I figured everyone did that. I didn't think that was unusual. It was only until I got into wrestling and found that showing out is fucking easy. I was like, this is the easy, but everyone else was struggling with the showing out because everyone else was, you know, tying up and their head was down. I was tying up and my head was fucking up, looking at the crowd, showing my facials, but my arms were wrong or my legs were wrong. Yeah. So everyone else got the mechanical technical bits because they've been watching wrestling for so many years that it's in your head. They know that when you put a headlock on, your left should be back, your right should be forward. Whereas to me, I was like, I don't know any of this shit. How the fuck am I supposed to know? All I know is that the crowd should see my face. They didn't know that bit and I didn't know their bit. If, together we would have made quite good wrestlers but the theatre side of things was so easy to me and then when I started realising that instead of bumping or doing risks I could come out and cut a promo and get more of a reaction I was like why the fuck wouldn't everyone do that I didn't understand towards the end of my run in wrestling I was getting booked purely to do spots as in to do appearances so on a card Preston was was Preston kind of became my home promotion over yeah. here when I moved over. I loved work for us. Absolutely fucking brilliant place to work. I was given so much creative freedom there that you'd look at the card and be printed backstage and stuck on a fucking wall and would say, T-Bone be Rampage Brown, 15 minutes, brawl to the outside, or whatever. You know, that's how a card always has a little bit of information. Or it would say fucking Flash v. Mark Andrews, lots of action, 10 minutes, Andrews over. That sort of yeah. stuff. But my one would always just say, Madman Manson, 10 minutes, and that's it. And I loved that feeling that if the Yanks looked at the card, they'd be like, what the fuck, why is this guy not got no instruction? Who is this guy? And that pushed me to do more and more ridiculous stuff and to go further and further, to completely draw the curtain back so that the punters knew everything I was doing. I was letting them inside and they fucking lapped it up. They loved being let inside. And it pissed people off backstage, which made me want to go even fucking further. <laughs> it was br- uh, that Liger from Japan. He was on a show. And he didn't watch any of the show except for my fucking match because I came out dressed as Rocky Horror. So I was sitting beside him backstage. I was painting myself up as Rocky Horror. And I could see him looking at me sort of strangely out of the side of his eye like, who is this guy and what's he all about? And when I went down, it was a curtain fucking sellout. Everyone wanted to see what I was going to do. They didn't so know you, of course, then went, ooh. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so the more of a curtain sellout I could be, the more I fucking pushed and pushed it because I loved throwing it in jokes all that Leguero stuff I used to throw in if I'm wrestling someone who's got a big nose I'd make a big point about his big nose if I was wrestling an old fucker like Keith Myatt I'd say this guy's fucking half dead and that was that was the bit that pushed me more and more to enjoy the stuff and those were the bits that I really liked no interest in the wrestling but towards the end when I got kind of carte blanche to go further and further against the rules of wrestling like rebelling against everything that was when I started enjoying the creative side of things <laughs> fucking wrestling <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with the in-ring product it was all about the theatrics all about the show you say out. this but there is a, there is a there is a video online of you doing a, a sweet Canadian destroyer that is extremely sweet <laughs> the story of that is that I wanted to do a match with Pip where we took the piss out of or we like like a pastiche of indie wrestling at the time indie wrestling at the time was you know the whip into a corner you smash them with a forearm then you run to the other corner for no apparent reason and he runs after you and he hits you. Yes, yeah, it sounds like my match out on the weekend. There it's we go. I'm very sorry about that. But <laughs> you, you know that style of wrestling where you close on someone, you run off the ropes for no reason. 
and then he clotheslines you and then he runs off the road. It's complete nonsense. It doesn't make sense to me. Again, it does to the fans and that's what they're into. There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, I was like, this is nonsense. If I hit someone, I'm not going to run away from them. I'm going to stay on them. Yep. So in a real fight, my, my logical brain says, if you knock someone down, you pin them. Instead of you knock them down, you pull them back up for another move. That, that bit doesn't yep. make sense to me. So we wanted to take the piss out of that, which is funny with Bubblegum because he's so good at that style. I think he's probably the best cruiserweight I've ever seen in my fucking life. I, like think, just, I think he's the most underrated cruiserweight in the yeah, country. There's just nothing he can't do. Like, he can do a main event match with, say, T-Bone. He says he should be in Japan. He, yeah, he, Japan. He, should, he, should only, he should be the fucking emperor of Japan. Is who should, He's the best there is. And the fact that he's not at the very, very top, to all the boys, everyone knows he is one of the top guys. Ridiculous. But the fact that some of the promotions don't get that yet is crazy to me. It's a point where he fucking, he had his knee surgery and he was thinking about quitting wrestling. That would be a massive loss. He's got a killer body. He's got unbelievable skills and he's got a killer good attitude. He's always early for a show. He always helps. He always does anything you ask him to do. He's the fucking best. I don't reckon he's the best cruiserweight. He's up there. No one can see this on a podcast, but I'm reaching quite high. <laughs> and Leguero is down here. That's, they can imagine where I'm pointing for that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, we want to do a piss take of that indie style. So we did the Japanese spots and uh, you know, the bit where you touch the guy back at the guy's knee and he falls over. That's not fucking realistic, is it? Touch the guy. You ever see that spot? You touch the back of his knee. It's like cruiserweights used to do. I don't even do it anymore because now they make loads of money. It used to do like like an international sort of thing. And, and you do that slap thing. You know, that, that, not that, the proper push. The little, like, that, they run you and you just yeah. wipe the legs. And you'd land on your arse. That doesn't happen in real life. I've been in real life fights and I've never fallen down because I've been tapped in the back of my knee. <laughs> but again, that's a part of that style. It's something I don't understand. So I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it's fucking ridiculous. So we did all those spots. And then we were planning it backstage. And I was in quite a bad mood. And I was the match was missing something. I didn't know it was missing. But I also didn't care enough to put it in there. Because I, you know, I didn't care that much about my performance at, the t- at that time. And Pip said, let's do a Canadian Destroyer. I said, I don't know what that is. And he showed me on YouTube. And I said, I don't know how to do that. So let's not do it. And he said, can you do a double leg? And I said, I can do a double leg. And he said, do a double leg, but keep the hook on. I was like, well, don't, well, you land on your head. It's like, just do a double leg and keep your fucking hook on. I was like, okay, I'll, if you say so. I trusted him enough to know that if he broke his neck, he wouldn't sue me. That's <laughs> So he said, right, do a double leg, trust me. So we'd never done it before other than in that match. So in training, I'd always say to people, never do something for the first time on a show. Always practice at training. I did the opposite to my bad advice. And the first time he said, right, just fucking punch me in the gut. Okay. Fucking hook me as if it's a powerbomb and do a double leg and hold on. That's all I've got to do. I was like, okay. For anyone, anyone who's not British, uh, double legs is a sunset flip. Sunset flip, yes. Yeah. Do a sunset flip, but keep your fucking hook on. I was like, I don't think that's going to work, Pip. Honestly, I just think we'll end up collapsing on the ground. And that was the bit that made me think that's actually hilarious. If we collapse on the ground and do it really shit, after you shock it in, you're doing it really well. So we did it, and it worked out really well, all because of Pip. He did all of the work. I, I now understand what a Canadian Destroyer is, and the guy taking it does all the work. I know, I'm giving away the secrets of wrestling. Oh no, Will Ospreay will fucking be crying at me. Do that, <laughs> that's your fucking thing. And it got a massive fucking pop at the time, and people kept trying to get me to do it again, and I never wanted to do it again. Just I did it that once. It was done really well, so why would you ever go back over old ground? But that was the reason behind that sort of thing. And like it got like YouTube hits and all that sort of thing. Fucking great fun. Imagine if you'd done it really, really well. And then everyone's like, oh, do the King Destroyer? You went, oh, okay. And then Pip got you do like a reverse runner. And it was really well. And then five years later, you are 
that indie guy that yeah. you hated Ima- because you got imagine, really good at doing this. We all things. become what we hate. Imagine I had gone down that road and be- somehow you would die a hero. become talented. You would die a hero or I, I live long enough to become a hero. villain. Yeah, yeah, become the what you hate. That was the history, the story behind that. So all any and all credit must go to Pip for that idea. It worked really well within the context of the match. If you see that clip and you just think, oh, it's just you know, a guy doing a Kane Destroyer who shouldn't be. Ha, ha, ha. But in the context of the match, it made more sense because we've been taking the piss out of indie wrestling so much. And then we did the move, which at the time was the definition of indie wrestling. Yeah, of remember, remember for a while, there was like three years where everyone in the world did an enziguri. And now everyone in the world does a super kick. At that it's t- now the I think the reverse run again. The reverse run. Things are moving now. on without me, and I don't even know. I think it's the but it, it's always the way that it's these moves that become indie darling moves, and there's nothing wrong with that because I think you should give the crowd what they want. But then there's other guys like Marty Skrull who are giving the crowd what he thinks they want, and it's working really well. Yeah, those guys are now revolutionising things to the point where they control what the crowd wants. I think that's yep. a really fucking cool thing. I, it's great to... Marty is someone who I think is fucking fantastic because Marty came up the same way I came up on the camps. He used to wrestle on a lot of mats. There was one camp show that he used to do that was just on mats. No ring. On mats in front of a lot of kids. What? Honestly, yeah. He used to do that at 11, then another job at 2, and another job at 6 because I was on his run for a very short time. I think it was only two Each one of them ago. on mats? No, the middle one, was, the morning one was on mats because the roof was too low to fit the ring. Honestly, this is these are the bits. That's why Marty is really good, and that's why like I'm not mates with him. We don't, we're not mates in real life, sort of thing. We you know we're acquaintances, sort of thing. We chat every now and then, but I'm really proud that someone like him, who's come up the shit way, is now at the top of the world. How fucking brilliant! That yeah, comes in like, Forbes a while ago. You know Forbes magazine. Yeah, no, it was like us. He was in Forbes. He has How it, cool he, is that? He has a uh, he has a suit deal with Top Man. Fucking brilliant! That is uh, that. Guys like Mark Andrews, guys like Marty Skrull, guys like Will, because Will kind of came towards the end of my career, so I don't really know him that well. But those guys, for them to be revolutionising things and for everyone in the wrestling fan world to know who they are is such a pop for me because British wrestling was the runt of the litter. It was always the most talented, but it was never any popularity. And now everyone's looking to hear, like guys from America fly here to learn the job. It used to be people would fly to fucking Lance Storm's training school to learn how to wrestle. Bollocks to that. Stay here, work for Brian Dixon, work for the Indies now, which yep. are fucking fantastic. It's it's funny when you say Indies because everything's an Indie other than WWE, really, technically speaking. Yeah. I think people know what I mean by the Indies. I mean, you know, guys like PCW, Progress, Attack, all these dudes, that's the Indies. Progress, by the way, how fucking good are they? Ridiculous. Jesus fucking Christ. No idea. They would ever take off the way they fucking did. Just did a weekend of three shows, 700 people each night. Fucking ridiculous. They are, to me, if I had to go to a wrestling show, the chance of me going to a wrestling show is very, very low because I don't enjoy it as a form of entertainment. I don't get it. But if I had to go to a wrestling show, progress every fucking time because it's not a wrestling show. It's an event. It's a night out. Well, I know some of it's during the day. It's a day out and it just feels like you're part of something. That like I, I understand I'm a Progress fan. I don't watch Progress or want anything to do with Jim Smallman because he's a terrible person. But uh, the 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 stuff they're producing is actually compelling. Like Jimmy Havoc became a megastar thanks yep. to them. Like he also has the talent and the fucking superb charisma to get over in that way. Paul Robinson, yep. same thing. Fucking just a superstar for them. It's just I love what Progress do. That I would be proud. Excuse me if. I was showing a stranger and he said, he used to wrestle, show us some. I would show them progress. 
because it's adults in the crowd having a good time, not taking themselves too seriously. The staging is wonderful. The setup is brilliant. It looks like something you're proud to be a part of because most footage of my career is in working men's clubs and social clubs and leisure centres. And that, that was my level. That's where I got to. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not proud of those things. Whereas the guys now who are at Progress or at ICW who are selling out arenas, they can show that to their grandkids and say, look at me, I was a fucking superstar. Like I saw, I think it was Lionheart's entrance at ICW. Well, he shared it on YouTube or Facebook. Or, one of, or Bebo maybe, I don't even know. <laughs> probably on Bebo. And Lionheart came out and it was like a mega like laser tron thing and i just thought wow adrian looks fucking fantastic and i thought that would be something he can show his fucking hundreds of bastard children in the future <laughs> and say, look at me i was a fucking star and that's really cool because if i show my kids any kind of wrestling things it'll be me in front of 20 people in a social club which i'm quite proud of because it's fucking hilarious but it doesn't make me look like a fucking superstar. So you would definitely show you know in progress. I'll definitely show in progress, that's it. So wait, like, just, to, just to finish it up and go full circle, what was the decision then finally to, to quit? Many reasons. One of them was money. I decided that once I got to a certain pay grade in my normal job, I'm a fucking uh, manager of a company that sells uh, solvents and chemicals. I know, really fucking exciting compared to wrestling. But once I got to a certain level of money there... I didn't need the money from wrestling anymore. So the decision about the timing was thanks to that. So, I had so to, as the money increase in work, you yeah. just decreased your bookings? Yeah, bit well, bit. once I got to a certain level, I thought, right, I do not want to wrestle anymore. Some of my friends, one of my friends, Nick, was injured really badly in wrestling. I was uh, uh, I was on that show. Were you? My, Shit, my no first, way. My first ever show. Really? Your first ever show? No. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Well, that, that had a quite a profound effect on me to the point where... Nick's a friend of mine and his life is now severely hampered because of something that happened in wrestling. So I think to myself, I made a decision to get out. I got out having received more from wrestling than I put into wrestling. Okay. So I got a wife. I met my missus through wrestling. I moved to this country through wrestling. I made friends through wrestling and I made money through wrestling. The only injury, injuries I've had in wrestling was I smashed all my teeth out. That was it. So, and you've got a lovely smile now. Well, thank so you very much. Yeah, no, they're all fake. It's fucking great. Yeah, it's fucking, I was hard. Actually, I'd, I'd saved three and a half grand in my time in wrestling and my teeth operation cost three and a half grand. Look so literally, I'd wrestle for no reason, which is great. Just have fake fucking teeth. But they'll live longer than me, so that's quite nice. But uh, So Nick being injured was one of the reasons I'd said to myself, I, I wish to get out of wrestling. Adrian getting injured as well like uh, me, me yes. and I were never close we were never mates it's funny after wrestling or since wrestling we're, we're decent mates I'd say now but at the, actually when we first met we didn't like each other at all but as wrestling went on and when I saw him break his neck I thought hey, that that could easily be me like I, I didn't do the the style of wrestling Adrian can do you can do main events I can't do that stuff but I saw injuries happen I started to lose my bottle I also started to fuck off bookings. I started to not turn up. I remember one time for a show for Ben Ald, I drove me and Joel Allen all the way to the venue. So we got there and Joel got out and got his bag and said, you coming in? I was like, no, don't want to. And he was like, what do, I, what do I tell the promoter? I said, don't care, mate. I'm going home. And I drove to Burger King and I sat there for an hour eating a triple whopper. It was very nice. Then I drove around to my missus' house and she's like, you're home early from fucking wrestling. I was like, I just couldn't go in. Just didn't want to. And she was like, all right, you know, you're feeling okay. I was like, just, just didn't want to. 
So I lost my bottle. Not that I was afraid of wrestling, but I just didn't want to. I was starting to experience quite a lot of up and down moods as well. Yeah. Because you know, when you're a performer, you get a fucking ridiculous buzz. I mean, it's a fucking powerful. Yeah, yeah of course. So, That's why we do it. PCW used to be the best buzz for me. I'd get there and I'd fucking perform and the crowd would love what i do. And the boys backstage, well, some of them would love what I do. I'm sure some of them hated what I did, but some of them liked what I did. I got a buzz. It was fucking brilliant. But the next day, I'd suffer from such a fucking down that I'd be a cunt of a day. It would be horrible. Mm. So I was starting to get these massive ups and downs from wrestling. So the money thing, the ups and downs things, the injury things, and the starting to lose interest. Starting to say to myself, what the fuck am I doing here? Lots of times I'd be sitting backstage at a job. I'd, you know, I'd look out at the crowd and it'd be 60 people there. Cause you, that was a lot of the crowds that were 60, 70 people. I just said, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm 30 odd years of age. I don't want to be here. I don't need to be here. All of those things put together gave me the decision to say, well, fucking stop doing it. Okay. That was it. Real simple as that. A lot of different things. Never one in particular. I, I could look at it sometimes and think I gave up the wrong time. It got hot just after I left. But maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Tyler and the lads have to thank me for leaving before it got good. But I, I left at the right time for me. The wrong time for a career. I could have maybe made some more money. But when I think about it, WWE wouldn't be interested in me. I'm not their sort of thing. What I, do, what I did is not what they do. It's a different thing. Different world. You know yep. what I mean? It's, it's like my wrestling was... was live fun sort of thing it's not what they do and they, they'd have no interest in me I did have a tryout with them in 2005 it was rubbish uh, World of Sport which it now looks a bit dead in the water because they involved Yanks for some reason they wouldn't look at me because they've already got Grado Grado's better than me so why would you have two comedy guys so when I quit and those things started happening really good I said well, I wouldn't have been involved in either of those things anyway like, none of them would have would have looked at me so I'm not missing out on that. I am missing out on the trickle-down effect. We talked about this before the podcast. There is now more money in British Fest than there was before. Yep. Guys like you, guys like Tom, you are now getting some of that benefit. I know guys like Pete, Marty, Will are at the top and they're making great money. But some of that money flows down to us because if Pete can't be booked on a job, you can or I can or fucking someone else can. So yep. I know you've done stuff for WWE, so you've got to be careful as well. But fucking an average Joe can now move up to the top, move up higher and make more money. Yeah. But the guys nowadays got paid, but I know they got paid a lot more than I fucking did. And that's fucking fantastic. But if they would kindly PayPal, something Madden Manson at Gmail, <laughs> pay me back. <laughs> yeah, so th- they're the many reasons I gave up wrestling. It was all of those things together. I just, I outlasted my time. I did 10 years, almost to the day, interestingly. Nice uh, round way of doing things. I did 10 years. It was really good. I got more out than I put in and that's when I think you need to quit things when you're ahead on the balance books. Okay. It's, it's a funny, it's a kind of financial way of looking at things but I think you should quit while you're ahead and that's, uh, you know, you may deny yourself some things in further life but I do miss being a somebody because in wrestling I was a somebody. In a, in a very small world, a very small rung of the ladder but in British wrestling... I was a somebody and I do miss being a somebody because now I'm a nobody. That bit sucks, but I still just think back, you could get injured. You could you could do something wrong. you break your fucking leg, break your fucking neck. So for me, I miss bits of it, but I had a great time in it and I got ahead and I'm out of here. 
Brilliant. Where, Easy, can, eh? where can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you on the internet? Fucking chat rooms mainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you on I Twitter? Call, I call myself Muscular Man. Uh, no, forget, yes, Madman Manson is Twitter. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. They don't need to find me anymore. It's, it's, if they need to find me, they can knock on my house door. <laughs> yeah. I'll I, pop that up on I, the yeah, own pop, I'll pop my address up. You know, make sure you, you tempt. I leave the back door open. No, they, they don't need to find me, but I am at Mabba Manson on Twitter. All I do on there is just talk about Legero because as his fame grows and grows, which, by the way, why isn't he involved in some of the stuff we stuff? Legero is fucking unbelievably fantastic. I, I talk shit about him all the time, but... It's mainly because he's so fucking good. I think he was under World of Sport contract when anything else. Fuck World happened. of Sport. I, I actually I watched World of Sport on New Year's Eve. That's the first wrestling show I've watched in fucking years and years. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Grado's a fucking superstar. Shah Samuels is fucking entertainment on legs. How entertaining is he? And Legero's fucking fantastic. It's a shame that World of Sport doesn't look like it's taking off in the way we hoped it would. I might as well say all British wrestlers are cunts. No promotion. They're all shit. I'm, I'm making sure I don't get any offers of bookings here. Brilliant. Everyone can fuck off. I hate them all. Never contact me again. I'm going to block everyone on Twitter because I am a professional with three S's. And uh, yeah, so that's my life was summed up in how many minutes have we done? One hour, one minute. One hour, one minute. Look at that. I can still go on time. I never did that in wrestling. Longest match I ever had. One hour and five minutes. And it continued going because the stopwatch broke because Tracy Smothers was in it. And he was fucking crazy. One, imagine getting a Manson match. Me, who used to go six minutes every time to go over an hour because he was crazy. He just kept going. He is the best I've ever been in the ring with. I'll throw that one in at the end as well. Best wrestler I've ever been in the ring with is Tracy fucking Smothers. He was ridiculously good. I'd love to see him here again. I'd love to see him like work with Will Ospreay or work with Skirt or something like that. It'd be fucking brilliant to see. He was a fucking gentleman. Right, brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. No problem. Appreciate- see you in hell, guys. <laughs> <laughs>only one word described that really and that's mad isn't it i did tell you he goes on a few tangents but uh and uh, you probably could tell how heavily edited that was just because i didn't want the c word a million times hey i've got a problem with it but i know a few of you might but i didn't edit it that much just little bits and pieces uh, and i hope that uh the goofiness and funness of that really did shine through he's uh in a world of full and colorful characters he probably shines brighter than most, so I, even in real life. And uh, to be honest with you, as much as he said he stepped away and he didn't want to get hurt and stuff like that, apparently T-Bone was telling me afterwards that uh, he really does want to come back, but he's a man of his word, and uh, being a little stubborn, he probably won't ever, ever come back, which is a shame because there's more eyes now on wrestling than ever. So if, if you're a new fan and it's the first time you've ever heard of Manson, then definitely, definitely go check his stuff out. Because uh, he probably gave himself a little bit of an injustice there. He's he's done some great, great stuff. And he was uh, he answered the Wasteman Challenge a couple of months ago. Uh, progress. So you might have known or men- heard of the name before. And he's so, so funny, as you, as you can tell. But uh, yeah, somebody I've always wanted to get on the show. And I'm glad that he was uh, so willing to do it. And he's uh, an entertainer from start to finish. From the moment I walked into his house... He had me uh, he had me laughing. So a big thanks to him and a big thanks to uh, his wife Sam as well for, for making me a lovely cup of tea. Because uh, you might hear a few slurps on there I was enjoying a good cup of tea. So yeah, big thanks. Big thanks for Manson for being on the show. Really was a pleasure. Thanks, mate. If you enjoyed the podcast, I say it every week, but please be sure to rate, subscribe, review. It takes about 30 seconds. 
And you can do that over on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, SoundCloud, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. Because, as I said, it helps us push away up those lists and does open us up to new listeners. Of course, if you do want to give something back, if you want to say, Hey, Flash, loving the show. How can I support it? You can do that in two ways. One, head on over to MerchBritannia.com and checking out the array of items they have from wrestlers over there. Because they sponsor this podcast. So the, you sponsor that, you help them out. It helps me out. Circle of positivity and all that stuff. Or, of course, you can head over to MorganWebster.BigHotel.com. Pick up a picture, pick up a t-shirt, pick up whatever support me that way but as i do say i know and a lot of you can't afford to do that i don't expect anything maybe just give me a cheeky shout out on social media as always i am at flash underscore morgan on the twitter i'm facebook.com forward slash flash morgan webster on facebook i'm at flash morgan webster on instagram so maybe maybe if you're listening to this maybe check me on instagram stories love to see that or if you do want to contact me for an advertising spot on the wrestling friends or maybe you want to book me for an upcoming seminar or an upcoming show all that can be done over at flashmorgan at live.co.uk. That email again is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. I do love seeing those tweets. I love seeing those Facebook posts. I love seeing the Instagram stories. And I love going in those emails. So please, please, please keep them coming. Next week's guest. I haven't said that for a while because I usually go week to week. Next week's guest is Tyson T-Bone. Dory UK star Tyson T-Bone. We have a nice little chat about the Dory UK stuff. So if you have joined me because you listened to Tyler's one. I did get a lot more listeners on the Tyler's one. So if you are still with me, thank you for staying with me. And uh, you will recognize Tyson T-Bone's name. So definitely go check that out. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but we do cover the UK tournament. We do cover a little bit about the tours. But really, we just talk about uh, his beginnings and we talk about his unique look and we talk about his unique character and how that really all came about. He's a man who's been around for many, many years. He's done it all. In British wrestling, and this one really is a little treat. You sit down and chat with him, did it straight after Manson's because they live about five minutes away from each other. So it was great to sit down finally with T. And you guys are absolutely gonna love it. So, yeah, next week's guest, UK star Tyson T Bone. I guess that wraps up another show. Big thanks to Mama Manson for being on the show. Big thanks to our sponsor, Merch Britannia. Big thanks to our advert, of course, WrestleCrate.co.uk. Check both of those out if you love your merchandise. And a big thanks to next week's guest, which is Tyson T-Bone. But more than anything, big thanks to you guys for listening. Say it every week, but if it wasn't for you guys, I would just be a crazy guy talking into a recorder when nobody listens. So uh, I really do appreciate you guys. Uh, if you're new, if you're old, hell, if you only pop in now and again for the guys you like, I really do appreciate it. As long as those numbers keep going up, well, if his numbers even stay the same, I'm a very, very happy man. But they do seem to be going up, which makes me very, very happy. So I guess all that's left to say is I've been Flash Morgan Webster. It's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Bye, guys. Bye.